Afternoons with Pepper Hudson. Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk, featuring Wendy Nola. Always lovely to have uh, consumer journalist Wendy Nola with us, joining us from a studio in Durban today to take an in-depth look at the airline industry and some of the common gripes. Wendy, uh, welcome as always to the show. Thanks, Pippa. Good to be with you. We've actually got several case studies to look at uh, mm. today, and then uh, it's open line time after half past one. So remember, you're welcome to phone in on 021-446-0567 or leave a voice note on 072-567-1567. Uh, Wendy, the bottom line today is let the flyer beware. Yes, oh, that sort of little tag occurred to me last night during my prep, and I thought, why didn't I think of that before? So yes, flyer beware indeed. Um, as anybody who flies often will know, flying is not for the faint-hearted. There are constant delays, not to mention baggage theft, being bumped off a flight. All of these are common scenarios now, and I don't think many consumers know what their rights are if any of these things happen to you. Their rights in terms of the Consumer Protection Act and other laws as opposed to what the airline thinks is an appropriate response. So let's unpack a few of those. Okay, Um, and we're going to start with overbooking, which is the biggest gripe of them all. It is. So it's an international um, uh, policy, this. Um, Airlines deliberately overbook their flights to compensate for the inevitable no-shows in the hope that the extras that they've booked will all find seats, the plane will take off as full as possible, and everybody will be happy. But as anyone who's ever been bumped off a flight, and I think it's you and I both, yep. Pippa, uh, you, the airlines often get their sums wrong, and that's when people who've pre-booked and prepaid for a seat on a particular flight get told, so sorry, we're overbooked, but never mind, you can take the next flight home. That doesn't always work for anybody if you're going... Uh, if you've booked a flight to get you to a certain city at a certain time um, and the next flight won't do that for you, then yeah. you know, you're know you not going to be happy with the next flight. So the Consumer Protection Act um, has a whole section on overbooking, Section 47 to be exact. And okay. I'm guessing the legislators themselves actually had a big grip with, with overbooking <laughs> because it basically says that if a company can't deliver on a prepaid service, companies in this case being the airlines, at the agreed time, they must refund the amount paid with interest and, in addition, compensate the consumer for costs directly incidental to, the, to their breach of contract. Because you have a contract and you've paid up front. Obviously, if you um, are accommodated, if you're happy to go on a later flight, then obviously they're not going to refund you as well. But that's just if you, if you decide that the next flight is not going to suit you. Yeah. Um, as for compensation, meals that you had to pay for in the airport while they were trying to accommodate you on another flight or get you on that flight, coffee, anything like that, um, and then the cost of the wasted cost, if you're bumped off, of getting to and from the airport if you abandon the trip. Or if a later flight gets you to the airport too late for your range lift, then you have to pay for another one. That sort of thing. Yeah. These are direct out-of-pocket costs as a result of them getting their sums wrong, essentially. Okay. Now, I've got a question for you on my own experience. But just before yeah. I get to that, as I'm listening to you, the one thing I can't quite make peace with in my head, Wendy, is the comment that they do the overbooking to ensure that they don't uh, fly with an empty plane. Why does it matter? Because all of us have paid for our flights in advance anyway. If I don't show up to take the flight, it's it's my bad luck. They've got my money and they're going to keep it. So why why do they have the right to to oversell something that is being paid for up front? They, in some cases, airlines, I know it's happened to me, um, I got caught in um, a terrible traffic jam coming out of Cape Town once and I missed my flight home to Durban and 
Um, they accommodated me. I had to pay a little extra, but they accommodated me on another flat. So they say it swings and roundabouts that they um, will accommodate passengers who don't make a flight in some way on the same airline, obviously. And that budget okay. airlines, the, that, that's part of the reason. But it, it is an international practice. Um, I, but I, the thing is, I like to talk about it because I don't think many consumers know what the actual rights, rights are. are. And yeah. we've got a case study coming up where... Yeah. Now, just before we get to that case study, yes. in my own personal experience, I wanted to say I've been in that position yes, where I've course. arrived and, and, and I was told, sorry, the flight's overbooked and we're bumping you. In my case, I was on the last flight home, uh, or the last Kalula flight home and they said, we'll put you up in a hotel overnight. They paid for mm. the shuttle to the hotel. They yes. paid for the hotel and the breakfast mm. and the shuttle back. We got vouchers for dinner. So certainly I was fully compensated for the sort of uh, nuts and bolts of the inconvenience. But what wasn't compensated for was the sort of the knock-on impact of the late arrival. In my case, yes. it was okay. I was a little bit late for work the next day. I phoned my boss and told her what had happened, and she was fine with that. But the guy who was standing behind me in the line was a freelance photographer who was flying home to Cape Town for the biggest job of his life, and he was meant oh, to be no. on a shoot at 4 o'clock the next morning. It was his big break. And he had to phone his client and say, I'm sorry, I can't be there. He suffered direct loss of income as a result of being bumped off yes. that flight. Does he have okay. any claim? Interesting choice of word there. Um, in short, no. When the legislators were first coming up with the bill, when it was uh, the act, when it was in bill um, phase, the, it read Section 47 actually um, allowed for consumers to claim not just the direct costs, so the coffee in the airport and the taxi and all of that, but consequential um, costs. So this exact scenario you're talking about, where somebody missed out on a big break and suffered a, a result as a, a suffered a loss as a consequence of missing the flight. Yeah. Um, but there was a huge backlash from the airlines, as you can imagine, and so that word consequential was subsequently dropped from the final oh. draft. So it's now just direct costs. Um, and I suppose there could be some. Um, Arguments around where does direct and consequential begin and end. Yeah. But I'm guessing in the case of lost um, work and that kind of thing, they would say that was consequential and it's not covered. Not direct, okay. But yeah. so then you're just, yeah, you just then, I mean, it would be, I suppose, the same thing if you were on your way to the airport and then you were in a terrible traffic um, jam. Yeah. And you missed, then your consequence would be missing out on whatever, attending the wedding making the job or whatever and that's that the, the airlines regard the act regards that in the same category as um you know if you're if you're bumped off the flat those sorts of consequential costs costs unfortunately okay very tough break though for the people that are affected oh it was on my heart absolutely bled for him that mm. morning it was it was mm. absolutely cruel anyway okay well let's get on to our first case study today because the question is what if you've paid for a business class ticket and you are bumped down to economy class does the cpa still apply in that case wendy I think so, absolutely, because you were bumped out of a more expensive class that you'd paid for because of overbooking. So clearly you are due, at the very least, the difference in fares. But that's not what happened to Peter Bagmunch on the Ethiopian airline flight um, from Addis Ababa to Joburg exactly a month ago, July the 15th. He'd booked those tickets, well, he'd booked return tickets from Joburg to Copenhagen via Addis Ababa, business class seats throughout, but on the leg home, the final leg, Addis to Joburg, he was unceremoniously downgraded to economy class, and that fare difference um, was around 13,000 rand. Sure. He was actually told when he got to the front of that long queue on the, on the day of the flight that the flight was overbooked 
booked and there were no more business class seats left for him. I mean, the impertinence of it. Yeah, that's um, a real cheek but, after forking uh, out for business exactly. class. Yeah. yeah, so I was alerted to the story when his wife, travel writer Caroline Hurry, tweeted a photo of the awful looking polony roll that she was served <laughs> in economy class that day. I hope it wasn't um, South African <laughs> Of course, any South African is going to pay attention to polony. Yeah. But um, that was just the beginning of of um, the uh, shoddy treatment that he got and, and, and his wife in trying to help okay, and well, get some answers. We've got Caroline on the line, so let me bring her in at this point. Caroline, thank you so much for making time to speak to us today and welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me on and I've been sitting here giggling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can at least giggle and keep a, a sense of humour, Caroline, because I think I would have had a sense of humour failure quite a long time ago. Time, <laughs> but... But, you know, at the end of the day, it's their own reputation that they keep damaging because what astonishes me is if they treat travel journalists like not just myself, but I can actually cite several others mm. in this way. I mean, I just shudder for the people who have no access to, to, to media. And I just feel that ultimately they're shooting themselves in the foot because they get so much negative publicity and I mean, I was just looking, the irony was that, that this time last year, they did a whole hoo-ha about they um, specifically going to restructure to enhance the customer experience and the ultimate aim. This was actually published in um, it, uh, the logistics update, uh, an African thing. And, yeah. and you know, they, they're so good on the marketing and, and boasting about their rewards and their new planes but the very people who are actually paying their salaries, which is the passengers, get kicked to the curb. Now, Caroline, let's let's just talk a little bit further about your experience because um, obviously we've ex- we've explained what happened to Peter that he got downgraded to economy class. Right. He, well, we overbooked two flights. Okay. Now and you you took it up yeah. with him. I mean, the main thing is he got home safely and in one piece, despite uh, the the Poloni roll on route. But uh, <laughs> you you then did connect well, with did the airline. Take it up with him, yeah. And the reason was that I feel if you're paying for a business class uh, ticket, you're entitled to certain things. One of them, which they boast about, is that there should be queues exclusively for business class passengers. So while at Addis, which is apparently an absolute shambles by all accounts, there was a separate queue for the business class holders, but it was absolutely jam-packed with economy class passengers, so he had to wait in the queue an hour anyway, yeah. only to be told, well, sorry for you, um, you know. Take yeah. a colonial roll and shut up. <laughs> and, and then to rub salt and into I the wound. Know that in Europe, yeah. they're terribly strict about compensating people for mm. that. Yeah. There's, there's laws and all sorts of things that exist. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't just my. So I, I felt very enraged on his behalf. And also because other, other well known journalists came to me and said, you know, they've just left. Stranded for 24 hours with nobody to speak to from from the airline, and 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 so on. And and you know, as my husband says, he'll he he's so gonna think twice before flying with them again. Because even though the actual offering was good when he actually made it onto a business class seat that he paid for, that was all fine. But it's the customer care that they fall down mm. so badly and yeah. let themselves down so badly because. If you're worried that when something does go wrong, that you're just going to be sort of, well, told to hitchhike home or, yeah. or whatever, you know, you are going to think twice about using an airline. 
Will that same airline yeah. again? And Caroline, it wasn't only his experience on the day. You also, I mean, you tried to follow up. You couldn't get through on the call well, centre. Nobody got back to you. I sent several emails, several emails that just went completely unanswered. And ditto, you know, they just don't answer their phone. And you try the, the, the Joburg number that's given on their website, no answer. Then you try the international number, who then again just puts you through to Joburg. And, and, you know, you just feel there's a complete, you know, void of, of, of people who, you know, who can speak help, to the passengers yeah. and, help, and help with their queries. And then I found, you know, when I, when I was getting nowhere and I kept, I kept saying to listen, I'm actually going to write about this because it's really in the public interest. You know, that, that's, that's where one's loyalties lie and they just ignored me and carried on sort of ignoring me and then when I did write about it so many people just came to me and wanted to tell me their own story about how they too had been kicked to the curb by this airline and and just you know and and again I actually tried to take up the stories on their behalf you know as best I couldn't bring it to their attention of of the head office and again just blithely ignored basically. Now, Wendy, when you stepped in, you did manage to get some response and even an offer of a refund, but it wasn't anywhere near the amount of the difference between the business class and economy class seat, no. was it? Well, I'd asked Caroline to, to work it out for me, and she said it was around 13 rand. Um, 13,000 so rand. I'd, yeah. 13, sorry, 13 rand. 13,000 rand. Yeah. Um, so I took up the case with the airline, and a refund was hastily processed after that, but it was only in the amount of 4,650 rand, and it was the equivalent, this was explained by the airline in their response, of $150 for the downgrade and $200 as compensation. And I was told that is the only amount that, that um, Peter was entitled to. So then I pointed out the CPA requirement, as I've gone into a few moments ago, and I was told, no, he, the section uh, 47 of the CPA doesn't apply here because he um, completed his journey, which is missing the point because yeah. the, the, the act clearly says, the section says that if you are denied the service for which you have paid for, and, and he did get home, yes, but he didn't get home in the way that he had paid for in advance, and it, and it was what was provided was worth 13,000 rand less. So yeah. I went from there to the consumer goods um Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, who said because there's an Airlines Association of South Africa, they don't they pass them on to there. So I then got hold of the Chief Operating Officer of the Airlines Association of South Africa, Vs Lokan, who said Ethiopian Airlines is not a member, which is interesting. But when I asked him what the appropriate compensation for being downgraded from business class to economy class was, as it happened to Peter, he said. You know, it was a bit sort of nonplussed that one had to ask. He said a refund of the difference in fares at the very least and some kind of additional compensation as well, ideally. So he had absolutely no trouble grasping the issue. But uh, Ethiopian Airlines clearly hasn't yet grasped it. No, I, I persisted and I got a response from the South African regional manager for the airlines, Abel Alemu, who said, following the regrettable incident of the downgrading of Mr. Peter Bergmunch, uh, flat of the last leg of his trip, Ethiopian Airlines has processed a refund of the fare difference and compensation based on, this is the key part, based on the existing service recovery procedure. The downgrading was caused due to 
operational irregularity which was beyond our control. Ethiopian has contacted the passenger to express its apologies for any inconvenience and confirmed the receipt of the refunded amount. Now, I've never heard um, overbooking and bumping off described as operational irregularity yeah. beyond an airline's control. So uh, maybe that needs further investigation, but I do think from all we've heard from Caroline that you know it was a simple case of of overbooking. And Caroline, you did eventually you know, get I that little like bit back. I would that, yeah. that Wendy, thank you. You were fantastic. Honestly, <sighs> it's, it, if, it, if it weren't for you, I'd, I'd probably be, we'd still be, you know, at least we got 4,000 odd rand out of them. But that was entirely due to your name and um, your intervention. It shouldn't be that way, but thanks, that shouldn't thanks, be the case. Right? But Caroline, thank you so much uh, for, for sharing the uh, the story with us today and uh, letting others learn. I've just had another message from Shelby saying I'm a hospitality assessor and travel writer and uh, to also had a horrific experience on Ethiopian air- airlines on a trip to India at the beginning of last year from terrible old planes, broken seats, torn carpets, no aircon, shocking food, rude crew, etc., etc. She says, I travel extensively and I will never use them again. Again, there was no comeback, no response, and I have never heard from them again, despite many calls and emails. And that echoes what what Caroline said, Wendy. Exactly. Clearly, they're falling down uh, in a big way yes. in their response uh, to complaints. Yeah, as Caroline says, it's wonderful, great. You, if you're trying to get into a territory, trying to get some some. Um, uh, market share, you have to do the big spend on the marketing and all of that. But if you're not backing it up with customer service, it's completely wasted spend. Okay. Sooner or later, the message is going to get out and get out to considerable numbers of, of people, flying yes, public. Exactly. Yeah. Contract concerns, shopper tips, and purchase nightmares. This is Consumer Talk. Let's just carry on with one or two other airline-related stories before we take our open line calls. You can start dialing on 021-446-0567. But, Wendy, a, a second issue raised by another listener is something I think a lot of people stand to learn from, and it's an unfortunate experience that Louise Holcroft in Langebaan had uh, that uh, regarding return flights and what happens uh, if you don't make the first leg of a trip where you'd booked a return flight. Louise wrote in to tell us how she had booked return flights for herself and her daughter from Manchester to Paris and back again. Uh, the flights were on Air France, but she didn't book through Air France. She booked via a company called eDreams, which they found came up on the Cheap Flights website. And uh, long story short, they had to change their plans a little bit and discovered they no longer needed that first leg of the trip from Paris to Manchester. And the first thing she tried to do was to cancel that booking, but she couldn't. Uh, um, she just could not get any response from eDreams. And Air France said, sorry, you didn't book through us, so we can't cancel cancel for you. You've got to do it through eDreams. In the end, she gave up on eDreams and just accepted that they would have to forfeit the money they had spent on that first leg of the flight. But here's the kicker. To her horror, when Louise and her daughter arrived at Charles de Gaulle uh, Airport in Paris to catch their return flight home to Manchester, um, they were told that it had been cancelled because of their no-show for that first leg. So she tried to cancel. She couldn't because nobody got back to her. Uh, and then as a result of not showing up for the flight, she couldn't cancel. She was 
her second flight back was cancelled with no refund, and, and and she ended up spending Wendy close to twenty thousand rand uh, uh, to shocking. book additional flights to get home. And what she wrote to say was, I have subsequently heard that many airlines have a policy of cancelling the second leg of a return flight if the first leg isn't taken. Is that legal, especially when it isn't possible to cancel the initial flight? And her second comment is advice uh, that I'd really advise others to book flights directly through the airline and not work through companies like eDreams who end up being uncontactable for flight changes. Is it legal? Um, well, it's it's not allowed for in the act. I would certainly say that um, if you arrive for a return uh, flight, um, having missed the first flight, and you've but you've paid for the second leg, and they bump you off, I would certainly say you would you should push for a refund because yeah. you paid for something. They they didn't contact you, and then we do all give our contact details now these days when you yeah. book flights they have your, your your cell number so i don't think there's any um, justification for it but here's the thing it is an international practice louise is right it's happened to me actually a few really? years ago i flew to canada for a via london on virgin atlantic for a family uh, reunion and virgin atlantic had a catastrophic um, problem internationally with their flight plans got us to london eight hours late had to overnight uh, it was a disaster. But anyway, somebody didn't actually record it on the system properly. So a week later when I came to fly home, that flight had been cancelled because I hadn't taken that first flight. I'd gone a day later and they hadn't updated the information. Gosh. So that was it. So I learned then. And also in that case, I did what Louise did. I went through some of the, one of these cheap flights, things I booked myself. I didn't go through an agency. Yeah. And, and that's why I didn't get the notification that anyway, it was a disaster. But I would certainly say that here's my advice, um, which is the most important thing because being able to get a refund later certainly doesn't help you in that moment. Yeah. When you've got is to get that back. If you don't, you know, if you've booked a return flight to Johannesburg, say, and you decide to go on a different day or somebody offers you a lift and you just leave it and you don't inform the airline, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for that return leg to be cancelled. So, um, always notify the airline or whoever you place your booking with, your agent or whatever to sort it out for you and tell them, do not cancel my return flight and that way you have it on record that you've informed them and then they better not cancel that return leg of your flight okay so because, so i i raised this sorry with a local yep. um airline executive because it does happen a lot on domestic flights as well not just international ones um and he said as i've said it's a global practice in the aviation business model to cancel the return flights of passengers who have not checked in for their first flight he said this policy is applied by legacy carriers such as british airways and saa as well as by low cost carriers this was uh, kalula if i remember correctly yep. the logic is that if the customer has not traveled to their destination then they are unlikely to return and the airline will therefore attempt to sell the seat Otherwise, it'll go empty. But it's the same argument that we had before, Pippa. You've paid for it. So now they're going to resell it. Yeah, um, yeah. This policy has been scrutinized by the Consumer Protection Authorities in the United Kingdom, as well as in other jurisdictions, he said, and found to be an acceptable practice. Along with limited refunds on cheap tickets, the policy was critical to containing the escalation of ticket prices, which is ultimately to the benefit of the consumer. So there's the same argument around the whole overbooking arg uh, okay. thing. Well, that, let me just yeah. add, Mike has just WhatsApped us uh, with some insight uh, that I think is a fair point, that it is not always a case of a greedy airline selling too many tickets and leaving you in the lurch. He's pointing out that, uh, that, that that comment about beyond operational control circumstances could include anything from uh, a change in the type of plane allocated, which might have fewer seats. It might be an increased fuel load for the sector because of a change in the wind or a change of alternate destination. 
destination. And he said there are sometimes genuine restrictions on how an aircraft can take off and how many people it can have on board in terms of weight due to factors like that. So I take his point that there might be Absolutely. legitimate reasons why an airport, yes. an, an airline that thought it was going to have a plane that could happily carry 200 people actually could only take off with 196 on board uh, due to those factors. I do take your point, Mike. Thank you for I making d- as it. As do I, and yeah. thank you for that. But we're talking specifically here about um, cases where um, they've just done their sums on the overbooking as they do routinely yeah. and got the sums wrong and then um, not being able to accommodate people who have paid in advance for, for that seat. And that's where Section 47 does apply. Okay. Gosh, we've got... Uh, uh, queues, uh, sorry, callers queuing up on the line <laughs> to chat to us. Um, I think um, Alan's is an airline-related question. Alan in Parton Airline, good afternoon. Um, hi, Pippa and Wendy. Yeah, um, hi, this is something that happened a couple of years ago, very briefly. I flew Qatar Airlines and I'm landing in Cape Town. I had a trolley with me, picked my bag up in such a way that I didn't need to go on the ground, put it on the trolley, picked it up, put it in my in my car. When I, when I got home, I uh, then picked it up and tried to balance it to wheel it in and noticed that the, it, it was all wobbly and I found out that a wheel had broken off and obviously it, it had been in transport because I never wheeled it at the airport. I then contacted my travel agent direct and um, she then contacted Qatar and I was basically... After numerous letters, and I, I did write to you, but I know that um, you can't respond to everything. They basically just fogged me off and said, no, well, you didn't take it to the people at the airport while you were there. But I, I didn't take it there because I didn't wheel my trolley. I just put it straight onto one of the portable trolleys. And after numerous correspondence, they just said, oh, well, basically stuff you. Is there, yeah. is there anything that can be done about that? The the problem, Ellen, is always sort of proof because they by saying um, if you look in their terms and conditions, I'm I'm sure you'll find something that says um, you if you have damaged um, complaint of damaged luggage or pilferage or whatever, you must report it to the um, the office at the airline shortly after landing at the airport rather shortly after landing. And I suppose it's they could um, make the case then that well we can't we you can't say when that happened whether it you know you can't say for sure um, the probability could be that it happened at some point afterwards so I always tell people check your luggage if you've checked it in check that everything's working check for rips check for crushing or whatever um, before you leave the airport because once you've left the airport then your chances of getting justice and some kind of compensation um, is is limited yeah I do know that a lot of airlines because I've spoken to the service provider a lot of the airlines do use luggage repairers um, and send a lot of business their ways and to replace wheels and 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 repair luggage that has been damaged in the hold but the key is to report it to notice it and report it before you leave the airport okay Alan sorry a lesson learned the hard way but there it is well, just while we're speaking on luggage Wendy the other thing that was flagged for us uh, was the issue of when you take what you intend to be carry on luggage with you 
mm. only to find that as you try to board the plane, they take it away from you and insist on it going into the hold. Um, obviously, there are security concerns because we're told you don't put valuables into your check-in luggage. We all know that. So hopefully by now, everyone is putting anything valuable into You'd the carry-on bag. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I say that tongue-in-cheek, hopefully. Yeah. Um, the other issue is, of course, timing. If you're on a short trip, you know, business trip to and from Joburg in one day, you want to walk off the plane and go you straight to your destination to and not go to the carousel. Uh, yes. But it's, um, I mean, what to do about it? It's, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one because these days so many of us are checking in online, again, to save time. So it's often the case that the first time the airline staff get to see you and your, ca- your so-called cabin ba- luggage is as you're about to enter the plane. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them then will take one look, see by the way you're struggling with it, or look at the size and know that it's not compliant because there are limits. And we can put it up on the site, but it's 56 times, 36 times, 23. They all use that for cabin luggage. And then most of them weight a limitation of 7 kgs and an extra 8 kgs, incidentally, in the case of SAA. But they will take it off you. My gripe is when you've taken the trouble to make sure that your bag is compliant and they still take it off you. Um, and I've taken this up. Uh, Mango is a big culprit of this. So there are some very important, uh, if you are that person that wants to have carry-on, and I'm actually going to Munich uh, in, a month ta- in a month's time, and I, I only ever take carry-on overseas as well. It's just <laughs> my thing. Yeah. I've heard so many scare stories. So if, if you don't want it to be diverted from the hold, there are some some do's and don'ts. And one is, first of all, get into the queue. Don't sit down or go shopping or have a cup of coffee and leave boarding to the last minute. Get at the front of the queue so that you know you're going to have space in the overhead. Make sure your luggage is compliant. And then walk. I don't pull it on a wheel, on the wheels. I actually hold it, carry it. And if it's is weight compliant, you should be able to easily hold it. And that way they won't net the un less likely to to um, single you out and say, come on, we, we need your baggage. baggage. And, I, and, and if you're compliant and there's space in the overheads, in other words, you're at the front of the queue, then I just refuse to give my bag over because you've packed it as cabin baggage. Yeah. And if there's anything valuable in there, so your jewelry, your money, your documents or whatever, they will not refund you a cent yeah. um, once it's in the hold. So I just feel that that burden on the consumer is far too too great. It's too and, heavy. And yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and yourself. the takeaway is very important. Check before you before you arrive at the airport. Check that your intended cabin bag is compliant with the rules, so that you have a leg to stand on. If they say that's too big, you can go. Uh uh-uh, uh, it is the There's right no size. There's going on for with that. me. Yeah, yes. yeah. And the other thing about compensation, just quickly further to yes. Alan's story, is if you have your bag pilfered and and stuff gets stolen out of it. Um, they, it's really good, good um, advice in such cases to have those things covered under your all-risk policy because the airline doesn't just – they work on a weight. It's an international weight compensation, yeah. so many dollars per kilogram. So if you've lost a leather jacket and it's worth 2,500 rand, you're not going to get a fraction of that. You're going to get compensated the same formula. as you would for a denim jacket. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And yeah. I get complaints about that constantly. People okay. don't understand about that, yeah. Zuki saying on the WhatsApp, I had my brand new suitcase with a pull-out handle damaged. The handle was damaged on a Fly Air flight. I reported it immediately before leaving the airport, and they simply said they don't take responsibility for suitcase handles. Surely that's not good enough? Oh, that's one for me to investigate. Okay. Um, it, it can't be. They've got to take responsibility. The, we've discussed this before on other shows, Pippa, that the yeah. Act says that um, companies need to take uh, proper care of our goods while in their possession. And if they are 
of, you know, if it's obvious that they didn't, that they were somewhat negligent, then um, they are responsible. So they, I don't see how they can legitimately say, no, not the handles. Um, okay, I'm going to ask my producer to give Zuki a call and see if we'd like to take this one further and uh, perhaps we can pick her up at another point. In the meantime, let's take a listen. We've got a, fo- a voice note on a, a travel-related, flight-related issue. Hi, Wendy. Can you comment on the fact that if you book through one of these websites like Travel Start or something um, and you need to cancel or change the ticket, it's almost impossible to get hold of them. Um, recently, we bought a ticket through them and you get 24 hours to change the ticket or um, cancel it. But the Travel Start number does not work. And even though it was a KLM ticket, the KLM office were not allowed to cancel it for us. I do find that not right, that the actual airline you're traveling on can't cancel it. Could you comment on that? Thank you. Teresa. Thanks, Teresa. Wendy, your response? Interesting. That's a similar case to... um who was the woman on Air France? Was it? Louise. 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 Yes. yes. So, so that is the case. The person that you handed your money to, whether it's an agent or whatever, that you you go through them, and that's the way the airlines work. And I was caught out about, on that um, as well, badly. Um, in terms of um, yes, they offered this twenty-four hour um, change, and I know a lot of the airlines do that. They will if you've had if you've typed your name in wrong or not been thinking and put your maiden name instead of your married name or vice versa or whatever, you do get most of the airlines will offer you a free finger trouble type change. But um, I get um, Teresa's point that it's useless to have be given the benefit of that 24-hour period in which to change or alter or cancel if you can't get hold of them. And the first time I've had a complaint um, of that kind about travel start. So again, if, um, Teresa, if you have the energy and the inclination, please do email me and, um, I will ask them to comment because we've put it out there now. I think we should give them the right to respond, to respond on to that. that. Okay. Thank you. For, in the public interest. Yeah. Okay. We're taking one more airline call and then we will come back with open line after the break. Yusuf in Cape Town. I'm interested to take this call because I believe you went to all the trouble of having your bag wrapped in cling wrap to make sure that nothing happened to it and, uh, it didn't work. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, thank you, Papa. Thank you. Um, I, when I arrived back in, in Cape Town, my bag was wrapped. And then obviously, when you get to your destination, you get out of through customs and everything. And I went home. And uh, when I got at home and unwrapped the bag and cut off all the cling wrap, the bag was badly damaged. And um, what happens in this case now, I, if I go back to the airport, that airline desk is closed now because they don't have any more flights for that day. And um, afterwards, I couldn't have the bag um, checked. Wow, that's a first. So what yeah. sort of damage was it, Yusuf? Well, the, the, the wheels of the bag and also there was a big crack in the bag, you know, as they throw the bag around. It was one of these odd type of bags. Uh, and um, so that's quite the extensive. Bag was completely cracked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, I haven't had one of these before. I thought you were going to say the bag was pulvered despite the, the cling wrap, wrap. But yes. I mean, it, it, it was, it was um, delivered in, not in the same way that you, you um, handed it over. So that's still the problem. I mean, I would have to say my advice would be um, get, go to one of the airline counters, get one of their scissors or knives because we can't travel with them. And. Um, 
and cut it off. But I understand if you're arriving late in the, the evening, you just want to get like home, doing, and yeah. it's the very last thing. But I can't think of any better advice to give than that. Because once you leave the airline, I would still say, though, in a case of, um, you know, the the bag being the trauma is is consistent with being thrown around in the in the handling process i would certainly still um approach the airline and say this is what's happened uh, you know it's not normal consumer behavior at uh, the flight that time of night the cling wrap to start un- unwrapping yeah. it and looking for damage so please um, i'm appealing to you to to take responsibility to do the right thing in this case um i didn't get that you do that and were told sorry or have you not done that yet yusuf well, I, I phoned the airline the, um, a two days later and said to them, look here, this is what happened. And they said to me, look, you've got it reported immediately at the airport. You so see, then, but yeah. The bag wrapped. Uh, I mean, you're not going to uh, unwrap the whole bag and cut off all the cling just to, to check whether there's any dents or cracks in the bag itself. Mm. It's yeah. not It's not um, what one would, would, well, what one, most people would do, but clearly... As second time we've heard today, the advice is to do what doesn't come naturally if you want to protect yourself and to have a valid claim should there be something wrong. There is no other claim to make. But I hear you when you've gone to the trouble to put extra protection on your bag and you don't, you're not expecting something to have gone wrong. Yeah. So it's very unfortunate. Um, and perhaps if you are in that situation again in future or anyone listening, uh, reach for a camera with a timestamp on it, take a photo straight away so that you've got a little bit more proof maybe to work with yeah, when you make that call the next day. But even then, they're probably going to say, no, sorry, no proof you left the airport. It could have happened in the boot of your car on the way home from the airport. Yeah, That's the bottom line. Tough one. Mm. I'm sorry, Yusuf. Right, we, we must take a short ad break. And while we do, Quinton wants to know, Wendy, how you managed to travel overseas with only carry-on luggage. <laughs> with pleasure. <laughs> Perhaps you can tell us after the short break. Okay. Consumer Talk. Open Line. Right, we can continue chatting uh, airlines with Wendy Nola, but we'll happily take calls on any other topic as well. Mary, thanks for your email suggesting that those talking about damaged suitcases can claim from a general all-risks insurance policy. She says, that's what I did, and it was all sorted. Fair point, Mary, but the point is also they shouldn't have to do that because that potentially been, uh, you know, in- influences things like your known claim bonus and your, your, your refund if you haven't claimed for three years, etc. Uh, if, the, if the airline is responsible or the baggage handlers are responsible for the damage, Damage, they should be the ones making good on it, not you out of your insurance, which is ultimately out of your own pocket. But I do take your point that there is some recourse available if you've got all risks insurance. Uh, Kevin in Ghana, welcome. Lovely to have you with us this afternoon. You've got a story about uh, traveling through Dubai. Good afternoon. Yeah, in fact, it's my wife. She was transiting via through Dubai Airport from Muscat uh, through Dubai to Accra in Ghana. Yeah, and uh, she was requested by the security chap to remove her uh, smart uh, fitness watch and put it in the basket, which she did. And uh, on the other side, she picked up the stuff, and then somebody held up the strap of the watch and says, "Who does this belong to?" And she said, "It's mine." But the face of the watch came out, and it was missing. Even though she could connect and show the guy that she could sync from an iPad to the watch, and the watch was in the machine, he only took a little bit of time because there was a line of people waiting, and he told her to move on. And when she wanted to take a picture of his badge, he told her it was illegal, and he became aggressive with her, and he told her to, to take a hike. 
So, so the strap oh. came through, but not the middle bit. In, in, if I'm understanding correctly, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a Fitbit. That's uh, correct. The strap came through. It's a Fitbit. It flips in. Yes. And uh, the watch itself, the face of the watch, stayed behind. And it was in the machine to show him that you could sync from oh, my iPad yeah. right there, but. Uh, I mean, that's just a theft, no, pure and simple. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you shame on social media. You go to the airport authorities and you, you do your – I mean, that's – that's. I mean, I, I can see the why they didn't want video to be taken, and, and it's, they're probably within their rights to do that. It's a security area, but they obviously have found a way to – they use that to their advantage, but I certainly wouldn't raise the alarm, make it public. Uh, I'm sure it's happened to many other people. Yeah, Kevin, I'm so sorry that uh, she had that unfortunate experience, but thank you uh, for the word of warning as well. Um, uh, Aidan on, on the SMS line, a similar story with Travel Start. So, Wendy, I think definitely we must follow up on that one, saying you can't make changes do. to bookings, even though uh, they say you can. I've struggled to get through to their call center. It eventually took over three hours to get through in his experience. Oh, no. It's not only them, somebody else flagging flight centers having the same issue. So clearly there's a common theme here, but uh, uh, I know it's great to find the cheapest possible booking through some of these uh, sites but uh, is it cheap in the long run if you lose out on on, on the flexibility and the ability and, to communicate and every travel agent listening will be saying you see this is why you need travel agents yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> which you know it has its upside because you go to your agent and say you sort it out Okay. Yeah. In fairness, if I must can say, get hold yeah, of them. yeah. I must say, in fairness, we've had one a compliment for Ethiopian Airways on the WhatsApp line, oh, saying good. they were absolutely brilliant when I travelled with them. I arrived very ill in Addis Ababa and had to go to hospital, and as a result, postponed my return flight. And I was only cleared to fly once the airport doctor said it was okay. I was looked after so well by the stewardesses who regulated oxygen and checked on me all the time. So there is a at least that is, one bouquet. And that's a pretty good one, yeah. not just an average one. So thank you for that. For for balance. Appreciate um, that feedback. Thank yeah. you. Okay, let's move uh, for our final call very quickly away from airlines, and I think it is the post office. Johnny in Plettenberg Bay, good afternoon. Hello, Pippa and Wendy. Um, thanks for calling back. I, I, um, Wendy, I wrote to you earlier this morning, and I've already had a response from you, which is... Yes, I've I'm taken so up the impressed. case. I'm so impressed. <laughs> uh, it's regarding a letter I wrote to Mark Barnes, the, the CEO of the post office a month ago, to which I've had no response regarding a subscription I opened over six months ago for an English magazine, which was, you ask the name of the magazine, it's, it's The Week, okay, which is an international magazine you may know. And yes, to okay. date, I've received one copy. So in other words, over 20 copies had just not been delivered. I've taken yeah. it up with the manager of our post office here, and he suggested I wrote to Mark Barnes. You've now read my letter. Okay, and I said, well, frankly, you know, the, the post office, and this applies to hundreds of thousands of people in South Africa, has a contract to fulfill their obligation. Once you pay for postage, you're, the post office has an obligation to fulfill the service which you've paid for. And, uh, you know, as I said, I paid 147 pounds for this, which is equivalent to over 2,700 rand. And I just didn't th think it's unacceptable that it can go on. They're, they're continuing to take money from people for not providing a service which, which is being paid for. And um, I, I just think it should be brought to the attention. I actually said to Mark Barnes that, frankly, I sympathize with his personal position. I think he's got a terrible job in his hands. But the point is, um, you know, the service is not being complied with, and if they can't do that, they should um, publicly the public. through all forms of media that the South African Post Office is no longer capable of fulfilling their obligations. 
We have to leave it there because we are out of time. Uh, Johnny, and uh, thanks for, for, for the call. Wendy, are you going to, to take up that I've case? I've taken it up already, um, and I've asked him for a response by close of business tomorrow um, because I think it's a valid question. Um, if they if they aren't delivering, surely they must then say, listen, don't take out overseas subscriptions. Don't, don't get parcels sent to you from overseas unless you're willing to wait five, six months, whatever the current wait is, and that sort of thing. I think they can't have it both ways. If they're having, and we we've had this show, we've had on the topic before, um, yeah. Pippa, earlier this year. So, um, I think definitely one for a future show. Um, once I've got some answers out of out of the post office. Okay, thanks uh, for your call, Johnny. Wendy, we must wrap there. Thank you as always for being with us, and uh, look forward to chatting to you again next week. Absolutely, thanks, Pippa.